Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your week in IndyCar guest show. And it's not just a guest show. It's also the first podcast form, the hamburger and french fry show. How's my french fry? And I'm surprised I caught you because you were going really damn fast yesterday at Circuit of the Americas, Sebastian Bourdais. Well, the French fry is doing great. I'm uh, really happy that uh, I can uh, talk to you, and uh, we got some good things to talk about. Well, we're starting off with a lie with the wanting to talk to me, but that's okay. Uh, normally, when we do our hamburger and French fry show, it's at the racetrack. We talk about what happened during the day. I make fun of you or say stupid things, and uh, you just look at me wondering, why haven't I made better choices in life? So why don't we just continue that trend with our first show of the year tell me about this test tell me about how it kind of boiled down to it's two days tuesday though more or less completely useless wednesday all right we're going to get in a full day okay no actually it's going to start late still cold wet dry circuit how do you constantly adjust to the conditions and then come up with any kind of meaningful plan to make progress in learning about a car when it seems like everything's changing at all times. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think uh, Alex Rossi put it in the best. Like, uh, basically froze our coconuts for about two days and uh, <laughs> and really didn't get going uh, until pretty much one thirty, almost 2 p.m. Uh, the second day, which is a real shame because uh, – we're splitting the day with Dalton. Uh, we're supposed to have both one day and then that turned into half a day to share. So, uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was unfortunate. Obviously it, it really hampered, uh, um, you know, the big running program that we had going on and, uh, we kind of baselined the car on a still somewhat drying and very much evolving track. And, uh, and that was time to end the wheel over. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, uh, but uh, as you said, um, the, the 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 couple of hours that we got were definitely uh, interesting and and uh, revealed some some really interesting things. Uh, it showed that uh, obviously the relationship between the three engineers, uh, both Mike's and and Daniele, is working uh, pretty well, and they came up with uh, a very uh, very strong baseline setup, which we didn't really have time to make any changes on other than throwing a couple of things at the car to get some kind of conceptual reads and and then and then the test was over but all along not having really adjusted the balance or anything um well the thing is we're actually already pretty quick so that's that's the big upside and yeah looking forward uh, to uh, more of that so let's Give folks, Seb, a bit of an idea about going from 2018-2019 with the A.J. Foyt Racing Team, just the worst in the series. And I don't mean bad people. I'm just saying if you look at where that team finished in the ranking among all the other teams, they were at the bottom. We have a situation where there's been almost a complete changeover of drivers. Tony Kanon's the one holdover. He really appreciated the kind words you said about him yesterday. Um, we have almost a complete engineering changeover. Uh, Daniele Cuccioroni, who you mentioned, he's uh, been with the team for a few years, still there, but 
Mike Pawlowski, he came in from uh, the Andretti team. Mike Colliver, who was at Foyt not too long ago, but was with the Schmidt team looking after Jack Harvey recently. A lot of changes. We know last year you weren't there, so I can't ask you you know, to do a real year-to-year comparison, but we know based on the timesheets, this team was off in the engineering wilderness. Share with folks, Seb, how a team that was so far away would come back, start a new year, go to a test like this with some new faces, new ideas, and essentially leave the, the, the past behind and come up with some new ideas to start fresh on the engineering front. Because I don't know if everyone grasps that this was a real true, let's start over again. How do you start over? Well, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, the team is only as good as the people and the interaction that they have amongst each other. And uh, and there's a really good chemistry right now between the engineers. Um, there's no ego and there's just a big desire to turn things around and and uh, and make things happen. And uh, so I think the, the two veteran engineers just kind of bring some stability and, and some serenity, um, just kind of kind of chips saying you know let's do the obvious things right and go back to basics kind of thing and and you know once you kind of have something that you somewhat comfortable working with then then you can start trying other things but before you start wandering in in the adventurous roads of uh of you know chaotic experiments then you kind of got to make sure that you you got something that you can lean on and a strong foundation and, uh, and, and the car is all about details. That's, that's all it's about. You know, I mean, everybody has the same chassis, the same, um, you know, air arms and, and push roads. There's no trick design or anything like that. It's all about what's in the dampers, what suspension geometry you go with and what platform stiffness you, you have. So, you know, there, unfortunately <laughs> when you're lost, that still opens a huge window to mess things up. Like it's just endless. And, and that's what obviously is tough to grasp for, for the, the, the listeners. It's just how many combinations and nothing really is outrageously out of the window. But if you put all sorts of little things that just, you know, are off by a little bit, then, then your global setup ends up being a mess and, and not activating the tire and balance can actually still be tuned and, and, but yet you have no grip and you don't have any pace. So it's, um, but other than that, it, everything's it, great. Yeah, no, but it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's that difficult. It's that easy to make a mess out of a car and it's that hard to, you know, get it in the window and and I don't think people can really appreciate the work that goes behind a successful operation and 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 yet do not give enough respect to even the teams that <laughs> are trying just as hard and yet cannot pinpoint what is wrong with what's going on and and that's when obviously having a bit of an outside eye and an outside look from guys that have been working in other teams can really turn things around very rapidly because it's like Oh yeah, that that doesn't sound right, and that doesn't sound right, and let's do this and that, and then next thing you know, it's a whole different car. 
on a related topic, and this is just because I'm a petty and vengeful bastard. I'm not saying you are. You're known as being the nicest guy in the paddock. <laughs> um, there was a point yesterday, Sebastian Bourdais, where on the timing and scoring, you were in first position. Behind you, there were two Dale Coin cars, plus Pato Award. Um, I liked the look of that timing and scoring order. Did you at any point get a chance to look at the timing and scoring pylon and go, huh, bet there might have been some folks who didn't think this was possible for me this year, or are you not as petty and vengeful as I am? No, I mean, uh, to be honest, I, w- I was the first one kind of giggling a little bit. You know? I mean, it was just, <laughs> it's one of those where if you had talked to me, you know, right after the debacle in November, it's just like, well, yeah. Uh, that day ain't gonna happen and uh and then you come back a couple months later and next thing you know you're you're you know very happy with the situation you're in and and having a good time in the car working with guys that uh want you uh want you there and 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 make it uh very uh very clear and obvious and uh and everybody's having a good time and and perspectives are looking up so um no it's it was it was really it was pretty cool to to see a smile on everybody's faces on the timing stand and around the car with all the mechanics and um you know everybody was was pretty excited i mean obviously it's just a test day of course you know? and and you know it's not like we were running on the weight or anything like that it was legit uh but still like i i kind of hate a little bit those expectations building and ramping up so fast because you're just holding by such a thin thread, you know, on in IndyCar, and it, like we talked about, it just takes so little to derail um, that you know you you arrive and you're off by a little bit in St. Pete, and and you end up being past the midpack mark, and and it really doesn't take a whole lot. So I I don't want to have any false expectations, but in the meantime, it was really really cool to to see smiles on everybody's faces and. We'll just need to, you know, make sure that nobody gets too excited and carried away and just, you know, keep your head down, keep focused. And, and hopefully we get a little bit of a break and and uh, can bring some results uh, for Larry. So he's got something to sell next year. So let me ask one more spring training-ish question before we get into the great questions you received for this episode. should also note that I'm on a bit of a, a short schedule today. We've got a long day of stuff ahead, so we have to head out shortly. And I know you also have busy stuff to do. Yeah, Mr. McLaughlin has uh, kind of pushed us off there, so which is, which is a good transition because we got to talk about him, man. Yeah, that kid's impressive. Exactly. And that's, that's like you know, I mean, I, that's where I, I wanted I, to go. I'm just going to open the the subject because I think it's it's just. Uh, I mean, I've always been a big fan. I mean, ever since he was uh, in the Gary Rogers, you know, G G R G C R. I think it was the team was G R M uh, Gary Rogers. G R M G R M. Sorry, yeah. yeah, you got it. And, uh, you know, he, he came in and he was, you know, already really, really strong. And then he moved to Penske and then there you go. Boom. You know, and, uh, and he's really giving a hard time to Fabian Coulthard, who's, who's a really cool and really super quick guy. And to do that is not easy. And then he shows up in IndyCar having one there under his belt at Sebring. And then, you know, he runs to par with the wheelpowers and, and the Joseph New Gardens and Simon and everyone, you know, in the field, which, which is really remarkable. So, uh, 
you know, hats off, um, super talented kid. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody could be uh, any more impressed with him. Speaking of impressed, so McLaughlin, obviously it's like, oh, wow. I mean, and so what you're referencing, you and I were meant to start recording uh, about an hour and a half ago. And I was meant to interview Scott about, uh, I don't know, uh, two hours ago. And he had to reroute and get on the phone with Rick Mears because Scotty is climbing into his car again tomorrow to do his oval rookie test at Texas. So, no, love you, Scott. We hope to have you here full time uh, ASAP. But let's talk about some of the other performances that we saw at spring training, Seb. Oliver Askew, right? I don't know if anybody expected the reigning Indy Lights champion to be ahead of his teammate, the 2018 Indy Lights champion, with far more IndyCar experience, Pato Award, Oliver P7. You know, got to say, feeling pretty happy for the McLaren Arrow uh, SP folks as well, coming out, you know, their public debut after this uh, little partnership here. Looking at Alex Palou. Right, joining uh, your former team, Coin. We didn't know what to expect from him, and P nine. I mean, that's pretty darn impressive. I was really happy for Marco Andretti in twelfth. You know, I realize it's twelfth, but if that was twentieth, no one would have been surprised. I thought that was pretty nice. Also, Seb also was really happy to see Carlin. Right, Max Chilton running P fifteen. Good thing, and Felipe Nazar. I think he was tenth when he climbed from the car to hand over to uh, Sergio Sete Camara. Some different day, right? It wasn't necessarily something where all the teams and all the names you expected were in that same order, uh, maybe leaving 2019. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was it was a bit of a tricky day, but I, I don't really see any major surprises other than Scott, uh, because you know, I mean, everybody knows Oliver is just an incredible talent who's who's gonna shine in IndyCar. There's, I mean, there's nothing he hasn't, you know, been displaying his talent uh, ever since he started racing. So I think the only one who still doubts it might be himself. Mm. But you know, at that point, I think he's gonna have to be reassured pretty quickly of, of, you know, where he belongs and he belongs right there. And that's cool. I think Pato had a, a massive moment and didn't really complete his last attempt. So that's not completely fair. I think to, uh, to, to kind of, you know, get him where, where he is in the, in the classification. Um, and then I heard that, I mean, I was, I was already gone for the last kind of attempt, but traffic got pretty uh, dodgy. And there are a lot of guys that didn't necessarily get the last uh, attempt in, but uh, yeah, I mean, overall, uh, a lot of a lot of pretty uh, uh, feel good moments in in a lot of teams, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, obviously the the density of talent in the field is just uh, it keeps just rising, and um, gaps are probably pr- going to be pretty interesting uh, to follow uh, in in the uh, you know in the whole year of twenty twenty. The depth of talent, man, I love it. It's a great thing to be burdened with. Right. Instead of, man, fields looking a little light. Uh, there's only one or two drivers that were at spring training who really did not distinguish themselves. And I would say that tells us we're in a pretty happy place with the overall quality of who all is in IndyCar. Let's get going, my man, and use the remaining time with the questions sent in for you from our listeners on this beautiful show brought to you by Cooper Tires 
the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, and Bell Racing Helmets USA. Good our man Vincent, fellow Floridian, who asks, Seb, do you feel any pressure to do great in the first few races to uh, maybe extend your deal with Foyt or get another ride for the remainder of the season with someone else? you got a couple folks asking similar things. Do you have any talks going about full-time next year with people, etc.? I mean, let's, let's, you know, take it one, you know, step by step. So first thing, obviously, it's only four races. So the number of opportunities to try and make something happen, um, I'd say, you know, regardless of, just, just take me out of the picture. You know I mean? I'm there kind of on a mission trying to help AJ for racing, Larry and AJ in any way I can, which is the reason why I was in Austin, because it's not going to be one of the races I, I actually going to participate in. Um, I did some simulator work and I'm sure we're going to try and do some more and we're going to try and recorrelate things after uh, the events if possible. And, and, uh, and Chevy is pretty enthusiastic about, you know, having me and, and in the fold and, and I'm really thankful for the opportunity and everything. Honestly, it's, 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 uh, it's really cool to feel like, you know, it was a really tough deal and that kind of, you know, drew the, the short stick there and and yet their, you know, friends were there to kind of step up for me and, and give me a, an opportunity to to remain in IndyCar and that I'm super grateful and, and really excited about the prospects. Now, is it more pressure? Yes and no. I mean, you can only do the best you can. You know, you can only give 100%. And and throughout the last few years, maybe my biggest problem was to try and overachieve in, in maybe some equipment that sometimes was only going to be able to be, you know, in X position. And I was trying to achieve something else. And and I probably compromised myself more than I have myself and the teams that I was working with at that point, trying to overachieve and over deliver. So I kind of going to I've been trying to, you know, do away from that and and. And basically just execute to the best of my ability and, and capitalize on things when they were meant to be instead of trying to force the issue. So, you know, am I, do I want to continue in IndyCar? Hell yeah. I mean, there is not a single doubt. I I didn't mean by any you know ways that this was going to be, you know, the end of Sebastian Bordet in IndyCar. Is it going to be imposed? Potentially. Um, but that was never my desire. Uh, and, uh, and am I going to try and, and create some opportunity, opportunities for myself in, in the 2021 season? Absolutely. Whether, whether it be with AJ's team or, or someone else. Um, you know, opportunities obviously are not always something you control. All you can do is put yourself in the best position possible and, and hopefully something good happens. You're making me think of those really bad but enjoyably bad movies, The Expendables, with Stallone and all the old, you know, warriors and such. Maybe you and Kanan are the unhirables. Is that what we should do here? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm you knew okay I was going to be a program. dick at some point. Come on, come on! I wasn't going to be I'm, nice I'm okay the whole with time. The image. That's okay. okay, all right. I got to get Roger Warwick on that new cartoon art, The Unemployables. Oh Lord. All right, let's. We got a couple questions on arrow screens. Uh, our man Arvind Mahadevan and also Ken Tooker 
fired some stuff in here. Ask Seb uh, from Arvind. He says, what's the biggest difference you've noticed in driving the car with the addition of the aero screen? Has uh, it changed the, uh, the balance of the car at all? Made it harder, easier to drive? Ken also asks, what's it like trying to get in and out? Uh, is the, the aperture to climb in and out any bigger or smaller? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So curious on this little hey, window you're looking I'm just through. a race car driver. One question at a time. Come on. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. I already forgot the first question. Uh, biggest difference the the with the aero screen balance <laughs> I'm changes. Joking. Uh, no, I'm I joking. Come Look, on. You've had, a, you've had a lot of shots to the head. So uh, I, uh, I'm i just glad you remember Not your name. Not as many as my time. buddy Dario. It's okay. Oh, and we got smoke for Dario. I love it. I love it. He <laughs> doesn't listen to what I say anyway, so hopefully he doesn't get relayed that part. Fair point. He probably agrees anyways. Um, okay, uh, so aero screen, tough to compare so far. I felt at Sebring when we did the, the, the evaluation that the car was more lazy, uh, felt heavier because it is. It's is it 58 pounds, you know, I believe. 50, yeah, almost 60 pounds. Uh, so it kind of felt like you were running full tanks all the time. Um, didn't necessarily feel that bad at Coda, but obviously you're running in very cold temperatures. So downforce kind of makes up for that. And obviously Coda is not a, a, a fair compare, quote unquote, because they repaved some sections of the track where obviously the new asphalt has got a ton more grip. So... Yeah, kind of tough to to really put a, a point on that one. Um, as far as getting in and out of the car, oh, yeah, yeah, it's it, it's interesting. Like uh, you know, you kind of got to do it like in steps, try and kind of push your way out of it. I mean, if if you take the headrest, it's it's super easy. If you keep the uh, headrest in the car, it, it definitely is much harder. <laughs> so you kind of got to prop yourself over the headrest and then find a way to claw out of the thing and it's 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 not easy but i mean it's it's a such a, a huge advancement in safety that you know you, you're gonna have to compromise somewhat and uh, if that's the biggest compromise then i guess uh, that's okay um heat obviously wasn't a big concern at coda because it was damn freezing that's for sure uh and uh, as far as visibility and everything it's it just gets a little bit of you getting used to it um mo- mostly actually the halo part because the screen itself is super clear it's it's quite impressive the quality of the screen itself uh, there's massive curvature and i know we've talked about that um and yet it's completely invisible there's no deformation or stretching or kind of weird shaped or anything like that that transparents through and the only thing might be a little bit at night with the reflection between the leds and the lights reflecting in there but uh honestly in in those conditions uh, that we experienced so far during the day not an issue whatsoever did you do as i saw some drivers do and step onto the side pod and then climb in because i'm guessing based on height trying to just stand normally and step over uh, you might hurt some of your boy bits on the uh, top of the, the aero screen if you're not careful. Yeah, I didn't even give that a shot. <laughs> Unless you're like Graham Rahal or, or Hunt. Well, I think even Hunter Ray jumped on from the side pod, so I don't know. Yeah, no, it's it's pretty. It's a big step. It's definitely a big step. I do I do go on the side pod. All right, let's go to Kyle Kaufman. Great question here, Kyle. He says, Seb, with spring training just happening to fall on the one or two weeks of winter here in Austin, Texas, where it's cold and rainy, how much useful data can teams expect to take away from tests when conditions are like this? 
and unlike this at most races. Well, that's always the biggest challenge of winter testing. I mean, you, you, you struggle to replicate conditions, and particularly when you get a, a winter storm kind of coming through. So, I mean, you try and do the best you can with what you got, but uh, it's either that or nothing. So yeah, you kind of you kind of got to go with it. Jen also sent in a similar question on that topic. Let's go to uh, Jeff Smith. Well, not the elephant in the room. It's maybe uh, maybe a buffalo, not not as big as an elephant. But it is curious because this would have been your first time seeing the old gang. So, Seb, how are things in terms of relationship with you and the Dale Coin Racing team? He says, I know it might be a sensitive topic, and I'm not looking for you to air dirty laundry, but you guys are really good when you were together, and it all seemed to end pretty abruptly. So, was there anything like that, you know, uh, kind of like an old girlfriend you're seeing where the breakup wasn't great uh, in the paddock, or did you just get on with your business? Well, I mean, there's, there's only one person that put an end to this deal, so, I mean, you know, it doesn't change any of the relationship I have with uh, with my guys, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're, still, they're still my buddies, mm. <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, yeah, you win, you lose together, and uh, we've been working for quite some time together, and and before that too. So I mean, no, yeah, it doesn't change anything between us whatsoever. I like that. Let's go to Jim Kaiser, who sends in haiku every week. He says haiku for the French fry, four-time champ car champ, French fry to Marshall's burger, Sebastian Bourdais. See, look at that. People writing haiku about you. You live a, a really glorious life. So Mike Jablo has a question here, which I meant to ask earlier. So I don't know if you're aware of this, Seb. You have a fairly strong personality. I do, too. Somehow we get along. There's a guy named A.J. Foyt that you drive for. He's also rumored to be mildly opinionated and to have a fairly large personality. Curious how you guys uh, have come along so far gotten to know one another if at all and uh, mike asks uh, if aj's introduced you any of his favorite dining spots like charlie brown's and speedway or if you've introduced him to any fine french cuisine and if you've been to the Foyt wine vault in indy to sample their wines uh, i mean the, the the vault is obviously right next to the shop so i and i, I had the honor to uh, to go there already uh aj is obviously a in, super interesting character right i mean legend um and 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 the character <laughs> so uh i i don't think he quite struggles as much to understand me as he did with takuma uh <laughs> but <laughs> i think uh there's still a little bit of a, a language barrier but um my my texan accent is not quite that good but uh no i, th- I think he kind of enjoyed what he saw yesterday at least that's what i've been told um and uh, he, he didn't say a single word which I was I was surprised and and kind of you know happy about because I, I guess if he says something you you, you listen son of a bitch. Probably, yeah, yeah <laughs> might not be the the, the thing you want to hear so uh, um, so yeah I mean hopefully we can keep it that way please him and and make sure that uh, he has an enjoyable experience on on the timing stand and then as far as um, you know the, the team's concerned obviously everybody you know feels like a a duty to perform to to make things happen for him because he's he's such a such a yeah such a personality that you know and such a legend that you kind of have to honor the name when you represent it you didn't get hit with a hammer you didn't get a laptop thrown at you 
I'd say you're looking pretty good, man. Uh, I, I'm happy for you. Uh, maybe one of these days you'll get to talk to him if you haven't already about that little win in a certain town. I seem to recall you being born in. So uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Let's go to William Matson. who uh, thanks for bringing this up, William, because it just always makes me laugh. He says, given how the Foyt team has reacted to Marshall's he says legit criticism. They probably wouldn't. Sebastian, are you at all concerned that they might react poorly to any of your recommendations if they're negative? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, I think uh, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, I'll be reminded of the fact that things are just not working out for you. Like at any point, it's never a fun experience it's it's always awkward and uh, and but yet everybody has to do their job and uh, for you it's reporting for me it's uh, it's to say and describe things the way they are and if it's if it's not positive because you know something is dysfunctional then then it still has to come out and we still got to try and find a way to fix it it's the only way to move forward so um so no i think um, i think they kind of uh, all uh, on the same program and we're all here for for the good of the team See, I have this fun thing where I wake up every day, and if I want to, I can ignore the best advice you have ever given me, which was years ago where you said, don't read the comments. <laughs> but I know if I'm feeling good about myself and I want to feel bad, all I need to do is just scroll down and find the comment section on something I've written where I learn I'm fat, I'm stupid, I am all kinds of things. And just have a daily reminder that I'm terrible at what I do. So while it doesn't feel great, there are times where I have read those comments and have said, yeah, you got a good point here. Uh, I could have done a better job. I do suck. I am an idiot and I'm fat. So uh, maybe, yeah, just part of our existence these days. Let's go to a couple questions, Seb, about a, a particular manufacturer you were both fond of. And I got to get our podcast out about this. Daniel Kincaid says, Seb, have you been in contact with anyone at Peugeot regarding their Lamar return and driving for them? Uh, Paul Preyes, similar question. And uh, Josh Fromer asks, are there any races you haven't done yet that you really want to do? Uh, I mean, I, I'd really like to do Nürburgring. Uh, just kind of a bit of a, the last kind of bucket list races and tracks. Uh, I haven't been at but it's it's just it's tough it's like you can't improvise those things and, and you got to be committed and it's such a such a tough racetrack that I, I i don't know if i'll you know in in my peak you know be able to kind of fit it in and, and find a ride that's that's worth the effort but uh yeah i mean I, I, I that would be that would be the one what about our friends at the french lion uh, oh, I won't yeah. ask if you've had conversations, no, 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 but no, no, I assume I you uh, want. No, I, I forgot about that one. Uh, See, I told I you. Mean, I, I spoke to I spoke to uh, uh, Olivier Janssoni, who was, who was the technical director that I used to work with. Uh, he was uh, he was uh, seconding uh, Bruno Fama. Um He was in charge, and I was on the phone with. Actually, he was in the FIA right now. I was on the phone with him uh, before <laughs> you called me. Um, and, uh, no, I've, I just, I just, you know, kind of congratulated him and, and said, Hey, you know, if uh, there's any need, obviously I'd love to be a part of it. And, and, you know, I, 
they're they're in uh, obviously completely the building part yet, and I don't think the driver considerations have quite hit. I'm sure a bunch of people have already put their name on the list. Um, and and yes, I will definitely put my name on the list if that's the question. Chris Kleber has an interesting question for you here. Seb, if you had an opportunity uh, to drive one of the many badass cars you've driven for in the past, from the Panos Champ car to the Peugeot MP1 to the Ford GT, if you had to choose only one to put in your permanent collection to then take out and drive whenever you wanted just for fun, is there one that comes to mind? And I might ask, maybe choose between open wheel and sports cars because, you know, I'm guessing you'd want to have two. Uh, I, I I would be very curious to drive the uh, the Audi that we were fighting in the, in eleven. Just really out of curiosity. Ooh. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I I'd, I'd love to be able to drive the Panos um, DPO one. Like that that's the that's one that I, I had so much fun on road courses with that thing. It was it was really really cool and. I'd love to be able to get in it again. Ryan Terpstra asks, Seb, I had no idea you spent some time with the Triple Eight team in V8 supercars. He says, do you have any good memories to share about your time down under? <laughs> yeah, plenty. Uh, two years in a row, finished second and, and first uh, with the Jamie One Cup uh, at Surfers when the internationals were part of the of the plan. And, uh, and I got to... Uh, uh, got to drive uh, at Bathurst with uh, the Osfors and, and Sandown and, and Surface again. So it uh, wasn't as quite as successful because obviously Lee didn't really have the, the finest equipment, but uh, but it was still a heck of an experience and, uh, yeah, really, really enjoyed, the, enjoyed the, the, the whole thing. You gave me your email address for the first time there, so we started communicating more regularly, so I thought that was cute. You know, the thing that impressed me, Seb, about your v8 supercar time is obviously coming in you've driven a lot of things a lot of different styles of racing those cars though are definitely known similar to what you hear folks talk about with a a nascar you know some sort of stock car someone with a lot of open wheel experience trying you know a stock car uh just radically different driving style really hard to get speed out of them i've heard similar things said about uh, that era of V8 supercars, and yet it seemed like, you know, uh, among the international drivers that came in, you were right there towards the top in terms of speed. How did you find adapting to it, and did it click with you? I think, honestly, it's, uh, well, first of all, it was, you know, top-notch equipment, and I think throughout my career, there's one thing that perspires, that every time I'm in first-class equipment that's, that I feel comfortable and, and, and good in it usually clicks. And I usually, I'm pretty fast. Um, my biggest struggle in my entire career has always been to drive cars that I'm just not comfortable in. that the balance does not suit what I'm looking for. And, and that, that's when I struggle. My window of operation is narrower than a bunch of my competitors. And that's always been a bit of a curse, but, um, that's also led me to really try very hard at working and, and getting the cars that I've been, you know, using uh, and the teams that I've been working with, trying to lead the thing into a certain direction that fits me. And, um, you know, it's kind of a curse and a blessing. A curse and a blessing. 
the Sebastian Bourdais story. There we go. I love it. All right. A couple more questions here, my friend. And then we're going to dive off and do our whatever the heck we're going to do this fine Thursday. Uh, Brett Ross. I think you might have asked this before, but hey, we'll answer it again. Seb, have your kids shown an interest in wanting to be IndyCar drivers someday? So I got a ballerina, 13 years old, completely in teenage years. So definitely not. And I got a 10 year old that's got a pretty serious, uh, attention deficit, which makes it extremely difficult to pin him down on anything. I'm thinking esports uh, indie car driver, maybe for I the little know, guy, maybe, <laughs> but it would be a lot safer for him if he's going to be distracted at any given point. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, he's, he's interested in go-kart, but it just, it's something different every, every week. So we're, we're just, and I don't, I think, Claire made it very clear that she she was going to veto it if it was going to be anything else than a Sunday kind of gig between uh, daddy and son. So I don't think it's going to happen. I love it. Here's a question that I know many drivers get in IndyCar. It's really hard to answer. Plus, you don't want to betray friendships or relationships. So do your best. Seb, how would you compare... The Honda engines to the Chevy engines. He says the Honda power cars uh, tend to be the top of the charts at road courses lately, along with the Penske Chevys. Is Honda's secret sauce mid-range power, drivability, or something else? Uh, And he says, does your Honda experience help when you're trying to catch them now with the Chevy bow tie? I I wish I could answer that, but I, I I would make a lot of enemies on both sides, and so I'm not, I'm not gonna go there. You're, well, yeah, you might fire up uh, for first practice at St. Pete and find that you have one cylinder working because they're not going to no, give the other no, five no, because no, they yeah, you said bad things. That. Nobody would do that, but just just out of confidentiality and like everybody kind of knows the characteristic of both engines and and I just you know I, I've had very good success with both and they obviously have their ups and downs and and everybody's trying so hard you know you just. You, you hate to just throw anybody you know under the bus for any given reason, and honestly, there is no reason to do it because they they both work their tails off and and give you you know top notch uh, equipment. All right, so then let's let's answer one engine related question between your Chevy engine tech and your most recent Honda engine tech. Which one's better dressed? We can do that, right? We're not giving away secrets. Between what? Between your last Honda engine tech and your new Chevy engine tech, which one's dressed the better, which one, you know, their uniform looks better is is pressed and clean better. We can at least compare that, right? That's not giving away secrets. Uh, I don't think Christian cares much about his attire. So, uh, so I I think, uh, I think Greg might be a little bit more, uh, you know, just kind of making sure it's very, uh, Chevy uh, type, uh, you know, dress and, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to see you know, ma- get making anybody bad here. <laughs> I'm trying to get you in trouble, man. You're making it out really hard here. I do not appreciate this poor day. Um, hey, I gotta be political. Yeah, sometimes. you're taking a pay cut by the way. So I don't know how to pay you less than zero, but I'm going to figure that out. Um, let's see. Here we go. Lance Snyder. Great question. Seb. You surely have had a litany of French fry questions, so I'm going to ask something different. What kind of hamburger is Marshall Pruitt? 
What is he topped with? And how is he cooked? <laughs> wow. Shabral, need to help here. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't want to engage uh, in this nonsense. I don't know. You're just my teddy bear. Aww. So I don't know. Uh, a big fluffy bun. There we go, Lance. We know that for sure. Um, and I don't know about you, but this is your last question because my my wife is about to kill me with her eyes from a distance right now. I so. don't believe that's possible because Claire is the sweetest human being ever. That could never yeah, I'll, happen. I'll let you explain that. Okay. Well, then let's do this because you did have a lot of questions come in about, I don't know if you've heard, but apparently you did some time in Formula Air. I believe, um, as I learned it was called in Talladega Nights, a little thing called Formula One. Let's just close with Simon Roffey, uh, and I'll bl- throw in one other question from someone that I, I can't find immediately. But uh, Simon says, Seb, what positive memories do you have from your time in Formula One? And someone else was asking about Sebastian Vettel and if you revel at all and some of his struggles recently getting his ass kind of handed to him by uh, Charles Leclerc. Oh, uh. Very, uh, <laughs> not, not, <laughs> I got. I'm going to get you in trouble. Damn it! Before yeah, we're done, uh, give me something. Yeah, yeah there's a whole bunch of and whatever. No, uh, just uh, very difficult time in my career. Uh, worst time in my career, to be honest. Um, positives. Uh, I did prove to myself that I could be very fast in the Formula One when I felt like. I actually could drive the car. Unfortunately, it didn't happen very often. And uh, and yeah, it was a, a pretty traumatic experience as far as a race car driver is concerned, kind of being a, a bit in a, in a train, heading straight into a, a mountain and just knowing that you're going to have a pretty serious impact at some point. You just don't know how and when. Wow. Well, that's a beautiful way to describe Formula One. Seb... Thank you, brother. I know we're going to find some more time before uh, we get to St. Pete, so don't be surprised, folks, if we have another uh, audio version of the Hamburger and French Fries show. I'm hoping I can go. No guarantee yet, but uh, if we can't do them in person live, then we'll do more of the audio version. Thanks again to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, TorontoMotorsports.com, those crazy folks at Bell Racing Helmets USA, and to our French Fry. Thank you, Seb. Apologize to Claire for me, and I'm going to get some more questions for the next episode. We're going to get you in so much hot water. Sounds good. <laughs>